G'day, I'm Rowan Mackey, and I'm joined by my dad, clinical psychologist Chris Mackey, and this is Psych Spiels and Silver Linings. G'day, Dad. How are you doing today? Good, thanks, Rowan. Good to be with you again, even under different circumstances. It is under different circumstances this week, isn't it? So for those keen listeners out there, they may pick up that the audio is slightly different this week as Dad and I are in Melbourne and Geelong respectively. I'm up in Melbourne in lockdown and and Dad, you're down in Geelong. So yeah, a bit of a different one for the podcast this week, but uh, almost another step forward in bringing another format to the way that we're doing it. So it's good. Well, it is. And say using Zoom, it's pretty amazing how accessible it makes it to connect up with other people. And and as a number of listeners will know, in our psychology practice, we're offering all of our services through telehealth at the moment, almost exclusively through Zoom. So it's amazing to be able to connect up with people in an effective way when we can be, well, I suppose, anywhere on earth, basically. Absolutely. And I suppose we're going to have a little bit of a chat about it today in, in terms of some of the things that's come up from the podcast. But I suppose one of the things that's come up for me is having a look at, at some of the, I suppose, positive things that have come out of this whole pandemic. And I suppose one of those is recognizing the value of technology and how easy it is to link up with people in those circumstances, as you say. It allows for a lot more flexibility, doesn't it? So just say in the whole psychology profession and the mental health field, I think forevermore, when we can get back to -to face-to-face contact more, there is still going to be a proportion of people who prefer to have services delivered over telehealth. And so that's going to have a big influence on the mental health field, as well as many other industries with people working from home. Well, absolutely. And I was certainly surprised to see how many people responded so positively to a survey that we recently did with telehealth. But as you say, it's interesting across many industries. But I think before we go too much further today, Dad, we should let everyone know a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. So we've called today's episode Psych Spiels Retrospective, The Bigger Themes. So Dad, just a bit of a rundown. What are we going to be talking about today? Well, the idea of a retrospective is because this is our 20th episode. So that seems to have come up pretty quickly, hasn't it? It has, yeah. And it's encouraging that we've had more than enough topics to keep going. It hasn't been difficult to come up with different themes each week, but we thought that there were maybe certain patterns coming up in the topics that we've discussed, and it's evolved a little bit over that several months. And so we thought it might be a good time to stop and reflect on what some of the bigger themes are that have come out of the sessions. And that gives a hint of where we've come from and maybe where we might go to from here. Well, it's interesting looking back at some of the early episodes now, because in some ways the podcast has almost come a bit of a full circle in terms of when we first recorded those first episodes, it was when we were in lockdown. And Of course, as restrictions eased, the podcast took a slightly different direction as that wasn't maybe as relevant. But now being back in lockdown, it's interesting how often the themes come back to some of the themes that we spoke about in those earlier episodes. Yes, and it's disappointing for those episodes to become so relevant again, doesn't it? Because again, back in lockdown, but I suppose going back, we had been thinking of doing a podcast together from earlier in the year about psychological themes. And when we reached that point of lockdown and the challenge from COVID, well, it seemed natural enough to look at how can we draw on positive psychology, a science of well-being to help us deal with that adversity, with that difficult time that we were going through. And so 
that gave us some kind of focus for dealing with challenging situations, drawing on those positive psychological principles. And then, well, it evolved from there into a couple of different areas. Well, it did. And it's interesting now, I think, to think back to some of those earlier episodes, having had the experience of recorded a few more since then, because I think now we've even managed to develop some of those themes even more. And I think that's one thing that I'm going to be interested in talking to you about today, that I've had the experience of even when we've been sort of recording certain episodes, it's only a couple of days later that the ideas almost crystallize in a way that's kind of new and that you almost settle on in the end. So I think that's where it's going to be interesting having a bit of a look back at the podcast so far, because I think some of the themes have almost intermingled together a little bit more than I potentially thought they would before we started. Yes. And there's certain topics that come up again and again and again, don't they, in terms of managing with challenging times or dealing with mental health more generally. And one of the themes from those very early episodes I remember was physical exercise. And so the importance of engaging in physical exercise, regular activity, is about the best physical health intervention and the best single mental health intervention. So many of our episodes have referred back to that theme, for example, and I've found that just because we've highlighted that in our podcasts, that's actually made it easier to keep up with, dare I say, physical activity routines myself. You just really feel like you're doing something good for yourself in many ways when you're going through challenging times. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you mentioned that because I completely agree. I've had a similar experience and I remember actually something that you said during one of those episodes talking about physical exercise and I look back now and I almost can't believe that I sort of didn't think of things quite in these terms, but it was that you said, when you're thinking of doing something, think of things in terms of how you'll feel afterwards rather than how you'll feel during. And I think as the episodes progressed, that idea stuck out to me because as we were talking about many other topics, apart from exercise, whether it was to do with anxiety or depression or, or motivation or even sort of our genes and this sort of thing, it was interesting in how many ways that physical exercise came up as such a good intervention, for lack of a better term, because it's something that can just... I suppose it can break the cycle of certain things. It can get the ball rolling. It can get momentum happening in certain ways. It can create neuroplasticity. But I remember when we were speaking about those episodes, you know, as a sport lover sort of thing, I was, you know, someone who I thought I had an appreciation for exercise. But it was interesting that as we spoke about some, say, more mental disorders and, and more mental issues throughout the podcast that so often it came back to something as simple as that. So that I found something interesting is something that the idea of that, which almost seems so simple and easy at the start, really developed throughout the podcast. And actually, one thing I recall now is some of the most enjoyable feedback I remember that we got was from people who listened to that podcast episode whilst they were exercising. So I thought that was terrific. A few people actually got in touch with us and said, hey, I really like that episode. I was listening to that on a long walk or, or on a jog or something like that. And I thought, oh, that's just terrific. It's, a, it's another opportunity of this medium. So I think exercise probably has been a, a great theme throughout, even if it's been a little bit indirect. But Dad, what else comes to mind as some of the major themes that have come up on the podcast for you? Well, I think as the time has gone on, we've looked to distill some of the more basic principles about 
enhancing our mental health and well-being, especially at times of stress. And this, I suppose, was reflected in a couple of the more recent podcasts as well, including last week when we were talking about how our genes work with our biology and the importance to people of having routines and also novelty in everyday life. So I think some of the bigger principles became distilled over a period of time. And if we're facing all sorts of challenge in everyday life, or if we have to adjust to different circumstances at work, first of all, thinking of that structure in our lives and how might we adjust our routines to service best to get some order in our everyday lives, but also how can we enjoy a level of novelty or moderate challenge or new learning, something that also engages and interests us and helps us feel that we're growing in some way or developing in some direction. So, yeah, that was one of the big themes that came across to me. Yeah, I completely agree. And and one of the things that was most interesting about that episode, and I think it's been a bit of a theme throughout the podcast, is the idea of talking about routines and novelty in terms of the ideas of order and chaos. And I was having the conversation with someone during the week and it's interesting because at the moment it's almost like there's so much kind of chaos out there, but with restrictions and lockdown at the same time, it's almost like there's so much order at the same time. And it's interesting that that's a theme that came up throughout the podcast, but I found it really interesting last week, looking at it in terms of our current situation, because as I was saying that, I just think there's so much almost pulling us towards order and pulling us towards chaos at different times. And I suppose another theme that's come up for me throughout the podcast is the idea of being deliberate about things and that's where you speak about routines and novelty and and one thing that came up particularly importantly for me is the idea that if we're not deliberate about things at the moment then we're potentially a little bit more likely to stray in a direction that isn't as positive because potentially there's a little bit more negativity out there so it's going to draw us towards that at the moment. Yes when we look at our mental health or psychological principles generally What we know makes the most difference is if people have an active approach, an active approach to changing something or developing something. So when people are learning, say, relaxation skills or mindfulness or meditation strategies, but let's take relaxation as a skill. Lots of research was done and it found like the key ingredient was not how people engage in some form of muscle relaxation, for example, or what breathing techniques that they used. It's whether people engaged in it actively or not. So it's this mindful, deliberate kind of approach. And I suppose some things that reminds me of is when people are learning a new skill, it's not just how much time we spend on the new skill, it's deliberate practice. It's the fact of being deliberate about it, being organised about the way we look to learn something new. Or another concept is being pulled to the future rather than driven by the past, is an expression that Martin Seligman, the founder of positive psychology, mentioned. So that notion of having a vision of where we want to go and heading in that direction, or another term for it could be our growing edge. I really like that term growing edge when there's something that we're working on, a way of extending ourselves. And now we know from neuroplasticity is if we're engaging in a growing edge, figuratively, also literally, we're making new neuronal connections and expanding, if you like, the frontiers of certain neural networks, literally and physically. So, yeah, these kind of concepts of being active, 
looking to the future to guide us. And hopefully the podcast has given people ideas in a range of ways about how we might focus on some particular activity or technique or direction or build on an awareness to help bring about some level of growth or development in some area. Well, I know that's certainly been the case for me. And even just since we had that episode a couple of weeks ago, fighting the flat feeling, I think it was called. And before that episode, I probably hadn't even realized the degree to which I was almost becoming a little bit despondent about things. And I even remember mentioning on the start of that episode, just sort of feeling a little bit flat about things. But it's interesting since then, because I think recording that episode helped me to almost change my view a little bit about the situation that was going on in terms of beforehand. It was very much looking at, oh gosh, this is where we are and how horrible is it that we're here? Whereas after that, it was a little bit more in terms of this is all part of a process. And although it's rubbish at the moment, if we go through this process, we'll still get to somewhere at the end. And uh, I think that's also another thing that's kind of come out of this that you touched on a little bit there is the idea of having a positive project. And I think part of the thing that came out of that fighting the flat feeling episode was potentially looking at this whole lockdown experience as a positive project when for a little while there, the numbers were sort of getting to a stage where it was, it was frightening sort of looking at the news and not necessarily knowing where things were going to head. So I think just recognizing the degree to which we can reframe things by recognizing some of this stuff is something that I've found pretty powerful in the last couple of weeks anyway. I like the way that you're using terms like reframing, project. What comes to my mind is a big debate that happened in psychology about 40 years ago, which was how important was it for us to shift our thinking or how much was it that we should change our behaviour? Focus on the cognitive, the thinking, the mindset, or focus on the behaviour. And it turns out that each of these are really important, but the way that this dilemma was resolved it was a fellow, Albert Bandura, who came up with this notion that each of these things is important, but probably what's the most important thing is that we change our mindset because that drives how we view the world and how we orient ourselves to things, how we organise ourselves. But the best way of changing our mindset is personal experience. Therefore, if you like, a project, doing something, Each of these things is important, and hopefully that comes up through the podcast episodes as well. A lot of what we're encouraging is an optimistic mindset, a coping kind of outlook, not having to be in control all the time or have to master things, but be confident that we can get by, we can muddle through. But the way of doing that is to engage in certain practices. Things like building in routines, things like engaging in physical activity, engaging in some kind of novelty. It's the practices that help then drive and maintain shifts in mindsets so they go together. Absolutely. And it's interesting because one term that I've heard said quite a bit recently is that idea of cutting yourself some slack. It's something that both you and I say a fair bit. And someone brought up with me during the week, and I think it's a fair point that They don't necessarily like hearing that term as much because it's a little bit ambiguous. It sort of doesn't necessarily mean kind of anything, which it sort of doesn't in many ways. And I think partly it can almost, I suppose, rub people 
the wrong way in some ways because there's potentially the idea of kind of taking your foot off the pedal and just completely relaxing and letting things pass you by. And to me, that's not necessarily what it is. It's exactly those things that you were talking about there in terms of creating almost an infrastructure of practices for lack of a better term. But even if it's something as simple as, you know, writing a post-it note so that you're going to reflect on certain things in the shower. But to me, that idea of cutting yourself some slack, it's not necessarily about, I suppose, giving yourself an out in certain ways. It's potentially about reprioritizing things so that your self-care is a little bit higher in your priorities and that you've got a bunch of practices that you're turning to that potentially I know for me anyway, I'm, I found certain things a little bit contrived before this whole lockdown. You know, it was always like, oh, I'm feeling fine. I don't necessarily need to do these practices. Whereas now going through this experience, you recognize the value in coming back to these things on a regular basis. Yes. Well, I think especially when we're all going through a period of greater stress, and it comes across in a range of ways. We certainly noticed that with the clients coming through our psychology practice, whatever difficulty people were seeking help with before has become more intense in some way, has become exacerbated in some way. But most of us are going to find different ways that we're struggling a little bit more with aspects of life. And there are certainly many threats that we're dealing with at the moment. And so especially under periods of extra stress, that tendency that many of us will have, it's like a community tendency in a way to want to be in control, to master things, to have a sense of predictability about the future. At times like this, there's less certainty, there's less predictability, there's less of a sense of control, if you like, and that's quite normal. And if people are somewhat intolerant of that uncertainty or expect themselves to be in full control, that's going to lead people to be more prone to have extra difficulties, extra level of anxiety, extra feelings of frustration and helplessness, more disruption to people's physical health and well-being through worry if we're looking to be too much in control, if you like. So that's where we use the term in psychology about coping skills or a coping approach rather than a mastery approach is when things are difficult, we're looking to muddle through, get by. Sometimes it's hanging in there the best way we can, get to the other side however we can. And that tends to mean taking the expectations off us, say 20% at least. I often say to people, aim for about 80% of your best in this situation or what you think you might realistically manage. Take a bit of pressure off that way. Be prepared to cut corners a bit. Ask for help a little bit more than usual. Schedule you know, one or two fewer things on your daily list. There's lots of practical ways that we can take a bit of pressure off, which means that we're more likely to get through the day, get through the week, and get through the tasks we're setting ourselves well enough to feel that we're getting by, or at least if we slip up a bit, we can catch up soon enough. I heard someone bring up that joke the other day. Have you heard the one about how do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time. And I think that's one thing that's pretty much come up a little bit on the podcast in a range of episodes. And you touched on it there is that idea of doing what you can in a certain situation. And I think there's so much that we can look at at the moment and kind of think, gosh, how many steps are going to have to be put in place to change that giant outcome. But it just does come back to the idea of, well, where do you start with it? You start with, you know, that kind of cliche of, you know, the journey of a thousand steps starts with a single one. But 
I think particularly at the moment, the more that we can break things down into the most manageable pieces and then look at that and sort of say, well, hold on, where can we find some positivity in that? Or where can we sort of reclaim some agency that we wouldn't have otherwise had feeling out of control in the situation? So I think it just does come back to that point of doing what you can in a situation, which is something that came up a bit throughout the podcast. Yes, yeah, so it's somewhat curious as to why someone would want to eat an elephant, <laughs> but it's a very descriptive analogy, that one. Well, that is fair enough. But in saying that, I suppose for our 20th episode, I thought it was about time that I look for an analogy that didn't involve sport. So I suppose one thing that if we look at this period... Yeah, so, of life, so, yeah I've got to say, sport is the elephant in the room, isn't it? Always? <laughs> it is a little bit, yeah. It's... Uh, well, that was one thing that I, yeah, I found really tough in the first period of lockdown. And it's interesting looking back to that period that we had about sport there because, uh, oh gosh, I even I heard it in periods of my voice at times that not having sport made things a lot harder. So that's one thing that, yeah, I found certainly a lot easier this time. Yes, well, now it's an, in Melbourne and Australia, it's an AFL game every night for 20 days in a row. So you're probably going from famine to absolute feast at the moment. <laughs> Absolutely. You can never have too much, I've, I'm finding out at the moment. But it should be, four, it should be 40 days, right? Um, <laughs> exactly. Well, I think they might have just announced another little smorgasbord. So, yeah, well, I might have to come and see you when it's all over. But, Dad, I think one thing we'll be interested to look back at now is how some of the themes of the podcast evolved in some ways. Because as you mentioned earlier, we did want to do a podcast before lockdown. And it seemed that lockdown was obviously a theme that lended itself to a podcast of this sort of sort. And it's interesting how things have evolved because I think even the way that conversations around mental health have changed, even in the last year, obviously it's changed over the last 10 to 15 years. You'll be able to speak more to this than I will, but even during lockdown, the way that people talk about mental health has changed so much. So that's one thing that I've almost been a little bit surprised by is just the relevance of a mental health podcast in the time that we've done it. Yes, because we did start off looking at a general positive psychology podcast that might be relevant to everyone, admittedly in more stressful circumstances than usual. But as time evolved, it became clear that Many people in the general public were experiencing symptoms of anxiety and depression and more significant psychological distress. So one of the comments that's been made this year is that many people who've never previously sought counselling or any intervention for mental health problems have fronted up to access more help in that way. It, it's certainly become much more widely acknowledged as a need for many people. So mental health and positive mental health is relevant to all of us and what kind of things we can do to maintain positive mental health. But I think the statistics would be something like about 25% of people at the moment who would be experiencing significant psychological difficulties to the point of warranting some kind of assistance. So certainly a little more than usual. And that meant that it made sense for us to go on to themes like anxiety, depression, certainly trauma reactions as well, because about 10% of people will have some past trauma that often people might have managed fairly well with, but it can also have a bit more impact at times of greater stress. And then we moved on to some other topics which maybe aren't so common, such as dissociative experiences, but by the same token, 
many people more than often acknowledged experience certain kinds of psychological conditions that often don't get discussed so much. So we went into further areas like that, including social anxiety and avoidance and addictions and different topics. So I suppose that many of our episodes in the middle of the podcast, the middle of those 20 episodes, has focused on common psychological difficulties as well as a couple of not so common psychological difficulties, but areas that I've had a specialised interest in. Well, it's one of the things that I've found really interesting with the podcast is that when we were starting out and look, I wasn't necessarily particularly educated in the area, but one of the things that when I first heard about positive psychology, I almost thought of it in terms of this kind of silver bullet or this kind of, you know, magic pill that was going to fix everything by just being able to put a positive flavor on things and, and suddenly things would turn out positively. But of course, that's not the way it is. And, and I think that's one of the things that we've seen throughout this podcast is sometimes you do need to defer to general psychology when there is, I suppose, a tried and true measure that, that exists to help people through. And it's interesting that you mentioned the trauma episode there, because one of the things that stood out to me during that trauma episode, and it's something that I've been thinking a little bit about lately, is just the degree to which... I suppose trauma can manifest itself in certain negative ways across the community. And it's not necessarily how you think a lot of the time, but look, it's one thing that I think that parties on both sides of politics, on all sides of politics have even now been a little bit slow to catch up on. It's great to see that there's now 20 sessions offered in Australia for psychology, which is brilliant. But I just think the degree to which so many issues in society could be fixed by looking at mental health and that's one thing that I've found really interesting throughout all this is the degree to which positive psychology isn't necessarily a fix all, but at the same time, it's so important to have a hopeful message on things because especially at the moment, looking around, there's so much sort of tragedy in the world at the moment, but if we can put a hopeful spin on things and a hopeful flavor, well, that helps us avoid that despondency which as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago in that episode fighting the flat feeling particularly at the moment it's so important to avoid that feeling because that just leads to a real lack of quality of life in some ways so that's one thing that I've found really interesting is just the degree to which we still rely on general psychology in some ways but the hopeful message that positive psychology has been able to bring really adds something as well. Yes, and a couple of things come to mind there, and just say with trauma, going back to that. Now, the thing where that's especially relevant at a time like COVID and the stresses that come up now is there's a principle in psychology called the affect bridge, meaning emotion and bridge a link. Now, there's this principle that if people feel a certain way at this point in time, it might be feeling very anxious or feeling very helpless or fearful about the future, that tends to be a link to memories in the past or experiences in the past where we felt fearful or helpless and concerned about the future. And so what that means is a number of people will have had past traumatic experiences that might have been somewhat settled. However, recently going through certain very challenging situations and not being able to see how the future might unfold, fears, feeling helpless, that can trigger more memories from the past trauma. 
And so the person could experience that as something like a, a lapse or a relapse, especially if they don't understand this affect bridge kind of principle. But that's where it's great to know that there are very well-developed psychological strategies from clinical psychology and mainstream psychology that can help address those problems. And so positive psychology used to have a strong emphasis on taking people who are already functioning pretty well and helping them function even better. But over the last couple of years, positive psychology is noticing more the importance of still having traditional psychotherapy strategies, clinical psychology and other strategies to help with things like trauma. And the other thing I'd say with what you're raising there too, it reminds me of comments by a psychologist called Robert Lay, who talked about a tragic view of life is not inconsistent with an optimistic perspective. You'd think a tragic view of life would sound fairly pessimistic, but the way he put it was this. There are aspects of life that are tragic. I'm going to die. You're going to die. Everyone that we know is going to die. Now, that's tragic enough. And there are horrendous events that can impact on people's lives and very distressing events that are tragic. And yet there are things that make life worthwhile. And that's optimistic. And so I think that a whole lot of what a combination of positive psychology and traditional, say, clinical techniques and psychological methods are on about is we can also deal with some of the darker side, the difficult side of human experience, even psychological conditions or mental disorders that people might have. There are ways that we can alleviate them, not always fix them, not necessarily cure them, although some problems can be transcended, but people can be assisted with these difficulties to the point of life being well worthwhile. And that's more the focus. It's interesting as you talk about that there, it reminds me of a fascinating interview I saw recently with a guy named David Cho, who is actually an artist. And he's the artist who I believe he painted Facebook's offices. And this was in, you know, maybe 2005, 2006. And they said to him, okay, do you want to be paid? I think it was $50,000 American or stock in Facebook. And so he chose the stock. And he's since become super, super famous, but he's a really interesting guy. And he's a little bit weird at times. Like he talks about things like psychodrama, the idea of what if you could do a psychodrama by yourself and just sort of stand there in a room. So bit of a weird guy, but he was talking about the idea that he's had a tough life in many ways and, you know, struggled with drugs and all these sorts of things, but He's a super duper interesting guy and he's had just one of the most interesting kind of lived experiences I've ever come across. But he was talking about the idea that he has, he's actually been diagnosed with antisocial personality tendencies, although he doesn't have a disorder because he's got all these friends and everyone loves him and he all loves these people sort of thing. But he's got these real antisocial tendencies about him and he was speaking to the interviewer and the interviewer was sort of saying, you know, you're such an interesting guy. You've done all these things and you've come through it. And he was sort of saying about the idea that, you know, I hear that. And I think that, you know, you're someone who's trying to lead me astray in terms of you're someone who's encouraging the darkness in my life, because these things that you're calling interesting, like they're just so dark to me. And the thing that really stood out 
to me from that. And the thing that he almost didn't realize the degree from that, but I think it really relates to what you're talking about there is actually the thing that makes him interesting is that he's for lack of a better term, the light within that darkness. So even though there's been so much that's gone on around him and he's had, you know, so many difficulties throughout his life, the fact that he's chosen the more positive path in certain directions, the fact that he's been able to come through it and he's been able to kind of stand there and tell his story in a way that's so relatable and a way that certainly I resonated with, you know, he's a, he's a Korean American guy. So I suppose culturally there's sort of things that we have that are completely different, but I just resonated with him on such a level just because of the way that he was able to describe these things. But to me, that was one thing that almost stood out that he didn't realize. And to me, it's what you're talking about there. It's that there is so much going on around us that is tragic, that is horrible. But I suppose if we, if we want to get deep about it, that's kind of what life is in, in certain ways is the more that we can be the light within that darkness, the more that we're going to, I suppose, enjoy life and the more quality of life we're going to have. Yes, he sounds like he's got a particularly engaging way of relating to what Carl Jung, the Swiss psychiatrist from 100 years ago, would have been describing for decades afterwards. He described it as a shadow side. So Carl Jung was very engaged in looking at the shadow side of life. Those aspects that we might not be fully conscious of, they might involve different kind of conflicts that we have within us. But if we can go there and look to resolve some of those conflicts, it can lead to a great deal of energy, creativity and direction. And that relates to an expression that the American mythologist Joseph Campbell used, which is where you fall there your treasure lies. So I see this in a clinical setting where people have gone through significant depression or trauma reactions. They're forced through their distress to engage with their shadow side, but from that some real direction can come up in life. They get a deeper sense of who they are. Dare I say a greater appreciation of themselves at a soul level. They can often come to make sense of a life path or life trajectory where the trauma no longer stands out as something that shouldn't have happened. It's actually part of their life story that helps them become more fully who they are. So I think that's that notion of transcending or transcended experiences where things might look so dark, might look like they're completely coming apart, and then they flip or turn. And that's where also sometimes people think working as a psychologist would be a very depressing job. It's not. It's uplifting because on the whole, you tend to see people rise above their difficulties. It might be incremental. It might be gradual. There might still be significant difficulties very much into the future as well. But there's often a transcendent quality. Sometimes people muddling through, but sometimes people really rising up through the darkness they've experienced and finding their life direction. Well, it's interesting. One thing that's always stood out to me in terms of something that you said to me years ago was, you know, when I was going through a bit of a tough time, it was that when, you know, you have something that kind of challenges your worldview, things need to be blown apart to come together in a new way that's kind of more fully formed. And you had the great analogy, which has come up a couple of times, that idea of almost being like a road system in that in a city, when we come across a problem, we kind of put in a road that maybe, you know, diverts traffic around that problem area. And 
the version of the city that we're left with is a more developed version than it was with at the start. So I think that's one thing that's really come out from this podcast as well is just the degree to which I think we need to recognize this sort of stuff at the moment, because there's, you know, like it's, it's horrible to sort of look at what's happening in terms of like suicide figures and all that sort of thing. But it's not as if the tools don't exist to get yourself out of a horrific situation mentally. And, and that's one thing that's really come up from this podcast for me is almost feeling invigorated a little bit by speaking to you about some of this sort of stuff and, and recognizing that there is a bit of a way through a lot of the time. Yes, it's, again, it's part of that notion of chaos and order, isn't it? Like all of life involves cycles of decay and then regrowth, rebirth. Even the seasons of the year have that quality to them, which is actually reflected in the imagery of playing cards. It relates to similar kind of themes. So also Freud talked about eros and thanatos. He wasn't just talking about sex and death. It was life force and death. And these things go together. In a sense, you have to have death to have rebirth. Old habits need to die before we can form new ones. And look, I've got to say, when we're talking about this process, Rowan, I think you've done really well to bypass that football analogy about a team going through a rebuilding phase. <laughs> it never occurred to me. There's plenty there. Green shoots for all the AFL fans, all that sort of stuff. There you go. Dad, one thing that I'm interested in a little bit about, because... I imagine you would have had some conversations with people about how the podcast has gone and that sort of thing. But has the feedback in terms of what people have got out of the podcast so far been similar to what you had thought it would have been? Well, I've been pleasantly surprised by the way that some people have related to some of the themes in the podcast in detail. And that includes therapy clients, but other people as well. For example, with the anxiety episode, I really like the way it came across and people were reflecting back that understanding it's not about having to try to be in control or mastering your feelings. It's managing with feeling anxious about being anxious. It's allowing oneself to feel somewhat vulnerable and muddle through. So people picking up on that coping message rather than aiming for mastery. So that came across. And with the depression episode, a number of people have given feedback that they liked the way it got across the notion of looking to increase activity from a low base, even going for a short walk, and then saying to yourself afterwards, at least I did that. People were picking up on that theme of giving yourself some kind of encouragement for even small achievements, because as we know, when people are depressed, it's that negative filter in people's thinking. It's very hard to acknowledge any positives, but people picked up on that theme of some level of self-encouragement. At least I did that. And um, the dissociation episode, I was really pleased with feedback from people who had some very significant dissociative conditions, including dissociative identity disorder. And people felt that it was a fairly accurate reflection or they related at least to a number of the things that we talked about and I noticed that some people were able to divulge a little bit more about some of their experiences such as maybe looking at their reflection and not seeing themselves look back at them as though they were seeing someone else look back at them at the time and how that was a bit of a weird feeling but people felt that they could acknowledge some experiences like that more when they learned that other people had had them. And um, then I'd say with avoidance, with social anxiety and avoidance, a couple of clients brought up that they wanted to discuss that episode in a session because they recognised some of their 
subtle avoidant patterns and realized that they needed to, I suppose, be more mindful of ways of going out of the comfort zone and watching out for those little ways out from facing a difficult situation. And, um, and then finally, I'd mention also the episode on worry. People mentioned that they found it helpful, some of the techniques that we referred to, such as thinking of a worrisome thought as, say, sitting on a leaf, on a stream, and then drifting out of view, letting go of it that way, and other strategies for letting go of worry. So my feeling is that with the podcast, we've been able to convey a number of practical principles and tips that people have been applying. And I really like the way in a podcast, you can go in some detail, you can reflect on it. Also, you and I can discuss it like in a conversation. So I think people can relate to it a little bit more that way. But I know that a number of people are picking up on the tips and the themes and they're actually applying them and finding it adds something else to maybe something they've read or something they've heard. So um, I'm really pleased with that kind of feedback. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that in terms of that people have been able to put some things into practice because like, I know I certainly have, but it's one thing that we've spoken about you and me, dad, in terms of if there's anything that we want people to get out of the podcast, it's not necessarily just that they're thinking about these things, but they're putting some of the things in place that we're talking about and gaining some benefit from them. So I will also just mention as well, we do have the email address that both dad and I can be caught at at podcast at chrismackey.com.au. So like, we always love getting everyone's feedback and please feel free to get in touch with us for any reason if you'd like to, if you like the show or if you just want to give some feedback for any reason. But in terms of some of the feedback that I've received, it's been interesting to talk with people, particularly about some of the conditions that, for example, may have seemed certainly to me kind of foreign before we started speaking about them. But just the degree to which when you lay out, I suppose, the thinking and, and potentially how some of these things develop, just how relatable they are in, in some ways. And, and that's been one thing that, yeah, that I've certainly found quite interesting is just when you lay these things out at more of a micro level, it's so much easier to understand them. Yes, and that's where I find as a clinical psychologist, it's helpful to group information around themes like, say, anxiety, depression, trauma, avoidant personality characteristics, dissociation. Now, sometimes what comes up is maybe a criticism that people say that focuses too much on pathology or that's getting into labelling people. Well, it's not really looking to label people. What we look to do is to describe certain patterns of difficulties where certain reactions tend to hang together. And one of the things that I've been really happy about the podcast as well, it's actually the way that you've organised the pages for each of the podcast episodes on our website. When people click into the link for that particular episode, you've added several different resources that we use in our practice, including things like tip sheets, our clinical handouts and videos, maybe articles, things like that. So it just helps to group this kind of information around themes like say depression or trauma or whatever. So when it boils down to it, there's no such thing in a way as depression or a post-traumatic stress disorder. These are, if you like, constructs or ideas we use to describe difficulties, but it just makes it easier for people to see some general patterns of reactions that they relate to. And so I think it's helpful to sometimes use these clinical terms and group them in that way. So it's also heartening that other people who might not be suffering from a particular condition, so to speak, can still relate to some of the themes within it. 
Well, it's one thing that the podcast has been good for in that way is to make use of some of the resources that we do have on the website, just because there are so many. I think it was about 2005, Dad, was sort of the first kind of articles that you started writing for the website. So pretty consistently since then, there's been material put out. So it's nice to uh, get some extra use out of it as well when so much of it's still relevant. And one thing I'm really happy about is when you look at the information of who's accessing the podcast page on our website, there are people from over 100 cities who are accessing that information and a number of people are obviously spending a little bit of time on those pages as well. So presumably accessing some of the other resources. So it is exciting to be able to be part of something which makes some of this information so widely available. Absolutely. And yeah, hello to all of our friends out there, particularly outside Australia. I know, Dad, you uh, mentioned that we've got some friends in Snellville in Georgia. In the- oh, I was struck. I, I sometimes like looking at you know, different cities where a number of people have accessed the podcast repeatedly. And it's nice to see London and Dublin there. But right up there is Snellville, which apparently is a town in Georgia in the United States with a population of around about 20,000 people. So hello to the people in Snellville. Well, Dad, uh, if we ever get the Sykes-Bills tour happening, we might have to uh, head off to Snellville, go pay them a visit. Hey, I tell you what, that, that'd be pretty good. And look, I must admit, I couldn't help but be curious enough to look up Snellville and see what was there. And apparently they've got this fantastic community garden. It's got beehives. It's got a glass house. I'll tell you what, that is one fancy community garden. So hi to the community gardeners in Snellville as well. <laughs> well and of course, hello to every, everyone else out there as well, wherever you may be too. So dad, it may be worth now having a bit of a quick look at where we're thinking about going for the podcast. So I suppose it's one thing that we've spoken about a little bit in terms of where it's come from. But one thing that I'm really interested in is potentially getting some other people involved in the podcast as well. Absolutely. And I suppose the default position, so to speak, will be bringing up other kinds of clinical related topics that many people relate to because many people might be interested in themes like, well, for example, dealing with physical pain or dealing with grief, also personality patterns. It can be relevant to even talk about patterns of narcissism. Sadly, that comes up in some political leaders, which leads to difficulties that many people would observe around the world. Maybe November for that episode, Dad, just plucking a random date out of thin air. Yeah, maybe it's a random date. Psychopathy as well might be relevant. Hey, that might be a similar date. November. I'm thinking (laughs) November for that one too. Okay, we might fit a couple in that week. But certainly we can look at certain kinds of personality difficulties as well that people might struggle with, patterns that way. But also other themes that are relevant for positive well-being, which could include creativity, leadership would be another one but also i think something that you've suggested as well we'd be really interested to hear well of any requests or of any areas that people are interested in or any suggestions for things that we might cover in future if any people listening would care to make suggestions we would certainly factor that in very strongly with what themes we'd cover in future Absolutely. So people can get in touch on the email with us and please let us know if there is anything that you're interested in, because the more that you guys are interested in stuff, potentially the more that we'll be interested in that too, in terms of wanting to really get our teeth into a subject that's going to be relevant for people out there as well. So please feel free to send those suggestions through, but yeah, it's going to be interesting dad, because 
obviously some of the clinical ones will be good, but yeah, certainly particularly maybe around November, getting into some of the, the narcissism and, and the personality traits will be interesting. And how could I forget as well, at some stage we'll have to cover synchronicity, a meaningful coincidence, certainly one of my favourite topics as many people would be aware of. And uh, the other thing that we've talked about that might be a possibility now that we can use Zoom as well and show that that's another alternative is maybe having someone else join us for particular topics. So that will be another dimension that we could add to the podcast, having someone else with expertise in a particular area to join us. Well, absolutely. Well, I suppose just to bring it back to something that you've said at the start, Dad, in terms of like the podcast for me anyway, has been something that's, you know, it's been great in terms of providing that novelty at a time when it's been good to have that extra novelty. And, and I've really enjoyed sort of doing the podcast up to 20 episodes with you, but uh, certainly looking forward to many more and, and seeing where it goes from here too. Certainly, Rowan, as I've mentioned to you as well, like this has been about my favourite thing this year in terms of some kind of novelty, new growth, a project, if you like. It's been really satisfying. And what one of the things that I've certainly had a lot of feedback that I relate to is people say to me, how wonderful this must be being able to do this with your son. And it is, it's just terrific. And it's not just the cross-generational perspective that you add and your journalistic background. Like I think that really is a really helpful counterpoint to say the clinical kind of information that I bring up from say therapy experience. I like those perspectives and how they can meld, but it is really a satisfying thing to be able to do something like this with your son. So thank you very much for that. Oh, well, likewise. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed doing it with you two as well, obviously, Dad. And maybe I was someone who potentially needed a little bit more direction <laughs> at times. And so it's not necessarily the first time I've heard a lot of this stuff. So it's good to not have to be surprised around every corner that we go in the content sort of thing. But but likewise, I definitely echo that as well. It's yeah, been great to do with you. And yeah, as we said, something that we spoke about for a little while, but now to actually get sort of 20 episodes on the board as I say yeah looking forward to many more but very happy that we've been able to get to this point too. Yes one thing I'll add Rowan is I've found it really enjoyable and interesting getting used to the podcasting format so we're very lucky to have had your involvement with someone with your podcasting skills. Oh thanks dad I think you are you flatter me a bit there but uh, as I say looking forward to many more and, and hopefully we hear from everyone out there. See you then Rowan.